everybody, welcome to December. This is Dice Populi. Uh, uh, is Ryan gonna say hi too, or is it just hi? Okay, I was I was caught off guard. <laughs> I didn't expect Matt to say hi. Like I'm at once delighted and confused. Uh, You're welcome. As, as I think most of our listeners will be in a moment. This is our, our fifth Wednesday bonus episode. There's an extra Wednesday this month, and we're too lazy to do real work, so we're going to do this instead. Uh, we are going to spend about an hour with you uh, doing a couple of things. First, we have uh, some announcements. The word some is doing some heavy lifting there. We have many announcements uh, that we want to talk about, uh, about uh, our show and how we're managing uh, our community engagement and interaction. Uh, and then we're going to get into the meat of this episode, which is a question and answer with Maddie here uh, talking about his adventure, A Second Chance, uh, because we wrapped up his time-bending story arc a couple of weeks ago. We've had a couple episodes since then, but we figured let's take the time, let's get the scoop on what it was like for Matt to tell that story and to get us to tell that story with him. I say... I say it that way because it definitely got combative times, and it was definitely my fault that that happened. But it's okay. It got combative. Uh, that's that's a bit of a stretch. Don't don't I, give yourself too much credit there. I don't remember <laughs> it being combative. I mean, I remember I remember there being a probably what got edited down because of just how much of a weirdo conversation. But we had like a full on <laughs> ten minute conversation about the feasibility of like stealing a <laughs> a cupboard. That <laughs> yep. I think Covered, that was the most contentious horse. Yeah, I think a lot that of, was the a lot most of animal con- use. That was uh, the, questionable. Yeah. yeah, the the octopus definitely strained a lot of relationship credit. I think, <laughs> but but That's honestly, weird. it was all fun. It was some of the most fun I've had doing this podcast and playing this game. So yeah, uh, over the next uh, fifteen minutes or so, we're going to talk about some of our changes to community stuff. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about our adventure, and at the end. We have got some really big surprises about the future of Dicey Waters. Let's get into it. Uh, we have a lot of uh, upcoming changes, not just to the show proper, uh, but also to how we manage the show and how we talk to our listeners directly. Um, just like some run-of-the-mill updates here. We've had uh, a little bit more uh, engagement with our Discord server than we imagined. I think, Ryan, you propped it up just for like a movie night or a game night, and it snowballed into a pretty active and fun place to hang out with people. Yeah, And we've got folks all over the globe chatting it up, especially over the holidays. There was a lot of fun shares and and, uh, cross-time zone talk. It's it's been working out well. I now, I think, understand how to set up a cult. Um, <laughs> just make a discord uh, server yeah it, it's basically just setting up a discord server and then setting a religious symbol which obviously is jerry in our discord um, and then and then it just kind of does its own thing like i think not i mean colin is fighting uh jerry uh in his ascendance to godhood um and every time uh jerry levels up colin when he's in the middle of speaking on discord uh he yells at him and then like 
10 to 15 people instantly just like burn I get, Colin. I get and, like, so annoyed him to the ground. Like my, my messaging style is, you know, a couple lines in a row and I get one line into it and Jerry's like, Hey Colin, you leveled up. And I'm like, fuck off. I'm trying to talk. I get so aggravated and yeah, nobody right. has any, any patience for it, yeah. but it really is a fun Let's... time. And everybody hails Jerry, which is our, one of our server mods, uh, uh our little bot. Uh, based on the eponymous Jerry from A Second Chance. Um, so we have taken a, a good long look at how this all runs, and here's what we've uh, here's what we've sort of come up with. The first thing that we want to introduce to the structure of our show is the idea of seasons. Anyone who plays a game as a service game like Fortnite or Destiny is going to know, like, every couple months, here's a new thing to buy. But, I mean... We're not selling you a battle pass that will give you loot drops necessarily yet. Yet, <laughs> don't don't worry. We'll get you those Eververse engrams before long. Uh, the seasonal uh, the seasonal structure is just a way for us to sort of time things out. So these fifth Wednesday bonus episodes tend to happen every three months, sometimes two, but usually three. Uh, and we're going to start to use that as kind of our schedule for rolling out updates. And uh, we'll get into more of what some of those specifics are. But uh, instead of us just trying to, you know, patch holes on the boat as we go, uh, we'll just do what game developers do and let the holes leak for three months and then fix them all at the same time. And I uh, uh, really with that in mind, knowing that in three months we'll do another one of these bonus episodes, we'll have some stuff to follow up on. Let's get into what that stuff is. So uh, thanks very much to the hard work of Matt. We aren't selling you a battle pass, but we have come up uh, with something else. We are going to very soon be launching a Patreon. That is correct. Um, Yeah. We are really, really appreciative of all the support that we have received um, for the show. And I guess guess we're going to be doing for coming up on two years now, soon enough. Uh, we're, uh, it's, um, it's almost two years since we started working yeah, right? on it. Yeah. 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 Kind of. Yeah. Nutty. Just pretty wild. When did we, uh, la- we launched in March? We launched in August of 19, but we started oh, okay. recording in February of 19. So we're, for us, it's, it's been a long, oh, long okay. journey. So it's not, we were, we're working on it. We still got like eight months. Yeah. But it's, but it's two years in my heart, Ryan. That's what's yeah, important. That's right. <laughs> Uh, but uh, our, our Patreon, it's nothing flashy, it's nothing big. Uh, we are only starting with two tiers, and the goal primarily is to, one, try to offer you some stuff that we've been wanting to offer but haven't been able to, but also to sustain the production. Uh, and we'll I'll talk about some of those details in a second, but we're starting off with two Patreon tiers, meaning you know paid monthly donations with rewards. Uh, Matt, what do those tiers look like? So, uh, our first tier is uh, $2, and that is supposed to be just a bit of a tip jar, you know, something to help us keep the lights on, uh, something to help keep the episodes posted online. Uh, So, with that first $2 uh, tier, uh, you get uh, recognition in our Discord, and we'll shout you out in an episode as well. Uh, you'll be able to vote on the titles for the episodes before they get released. And you'll also have priority for submitting items and names to be used in the show, which is pretty cool. Uh, We're also going to have a second tier at $5. And this is where it gets uh, a little spicy. Uh, 
you get everything from the first tier and you also get access to an exclusive uh, channel in our Discord and uh, a little secret project that Ryan has been working on. Why don't you, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that, Ryan? No. <laughs> <laughs> All so, right, and that's the show. So, so, uh, so the bonus feed that we're setting up, it is going to be its own distinct campaign. Uh, it is going to be kind of separate uh, from Dicey Waters, so you won't miss uh, out just on to, anything. Just to interject, we're we're doing a bonus campaign. Yeah, we're <laughs> doing a bonus campaign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's gonna be it's gonna be its own thing, kind of independent uh, from our current campaign. So we can kind of do this more freewheeling. We don't have to worry about like accidentally messing with anything in our current one. It is going to be an Eberron campaign, one of my own creation. Uh, one that I, I was making for about a year or so um, for, uh, you know, my personal campaign. Basically, if one of my current games ever TPK'd and I didn't want to do that mod do their current modules anymore. So I've put a lot of thought into it. It's basically mostly completed. I've actually cut up modules out of this before and done one shots in Eberron. Um, and nobody in the podcast, I believe, has played them. But I've played with them friends and they've all come back very well rated so that gives me a lot of hope for this um the biggest i think departure besides setting is that we're going to do a different uh rpg system so to make things easy um and to make editing i think it's going to make editing a lot easier for pat who's going to be editing these episodes in uh he's a neophyte editor um we're going to use the quest system (laughs) um and the, the the big differences between quest and uh D, of course is that there will be a lot less rolling it's more of a narrative thing so i think it'll be a lot more fun for everybody to kind of really dig into um there are there's still combat there's still like magical items there's still monsters to fight um but i think it, in my perception of everon i find it a very cinematic world and i think quest will help bring that about because there'll be there'll be a lot less focus on like ooh. Uh, you know, do I see that person over there roll a d20 or whatever, which is not something we typically do, but I think it can happen. Yeah. Um, so it, I'm, I'm excited. I really like the quest system. Uh, if, if, if Pathfinder were to be like a crunchy peanut butter and, uh, and D and D were to be like a, a, a medium crunch, you know, just like a little bit of grit, um, quest is completely smooth. The rules for the player is very limited. Um, you don't have to remember a whole lot. And I think, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I'm super excited about that. Ryan, do you want to say the name of your adventure? No. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So the, the name of my slick new bonus campaign is Entrenched. The way that, that, this, is, uh, that this has gone so far is we've recorded a planning episode. It's about an hour, give or take, and that's going to... Uh, release early next month along with the Patreon. Uh, and we'll put that out and then begin the episode proper one month later. This will be a monthly guaranteed drop of content based in Ryan's new campaign and setting. Uh, this $5 tier and this bonus feed is also going to make room for if we decide to do more of those like one-page episodes, random one-shots. If we Maybe we have a recording that uh, for a Dicey Waters episode that goes off the rails and we just need to vent about it. Uh, the bonus feed is going to be our place for additional content, but this is a way to sort of bolster that. 
by making sure you always have something to come back to. Um, now, in addition to the Patreon itself, uh, and we talked about how it's going to grant uh, additional roles and, and recognition in the Discord server. Uh, we should mention if you don't want to use the Discord server or join that community, all the stuff like submitting items or getting recognition on the podcast, like all that stuff still applies and you'll still get the bonus feed if you go to the $5 level. But we are trying to lean into the into our Discord server and uh, that comes with a couple of different things. Uh, in the Discord itself, as Ryan mentioned, uh, we have a Jerry that levels people up based on their use, um, and we're going to sort of expand that. So after chatting with folks in the server, uh, as you chat and engage, uh, Jerry will raise your level, and every time you hit a certain milestone, you'll get a new title based on something in the podcast. So when you join the server, you're a Farpoint escapee, and then after that, you could become a Far Lord, and it's just a fun way to sort of climb the ladder in line with uh, the story the podcast is told. But to line up with our seasons, we're also introducing a new robot mod uh, named Uge, who will stare at you from his pocket dimension and every season figure out who has contributed the most to the server. So when a season ends, we're going to look at Uge, we're going to see who comes out on top, and that person will get a reward, a giveaway, something of monetary value, funded, ideally, by the Patreon. Uh, and so we're going to try to make sure that this engagement is rewarded on all fronts. Um, so for those of you uh, currently interacting with our Discord, there's going to be uh, more ways to do that and more stuff that you can get. We're probably going to be talking with uh, our community members about what kind of reward specifically they want to see but after polling some people this first season here is uh we're just going to be calling it the season of the jerry's so you can expect something maybe jerry or zombie related uh and we'll see who comes out as the victor as the recipient of that reward in just a couple of months now couple other miscellaneous things before we uh, before we push forward. Uh, those one-shots and bonus episodes, anytime that we do them, uh, those will be limited to the bonus feed now. This 5W feed is now going to be more based on not just these Q&As and these behind-the-scenes looks, but also keeping up on our new seasonal stuff. Obviously, every three months, we're going to have some stuff to announce and follow up on. Uh, so we want to make sure that we're, you know, we're, we're sticking to that and we're staying true to our word. Um, the website is also going to get an overhaul. I'll be working on that in just a little bit and making sure that it's a little easier to find what you need to find. And that's dicepopuli.com. Uh, let me scroll through my notes here. I know we just announced like a million things. Yeah. So one thing uh, that, uh, I, I want to mention is that, uh, regarding the Patreon, uh, at the end of each season, uh, we're, we, I think our plan is we're going to take about 25% of what we have gained from the Patreon, and it's going to go towards uh, a charity. Yes. So the plan is 75% of all money that comes in from Patreon will go to sustain the production. That's going to be stuff like, you know, podcast hosting, these giveaway ideas, and uh, I mean, maybe eventually ways to grow the show, but... The 25% is going to be fixed, and every season we're going to pick a charity to which we want to uh, donate 
our funds. And these could be pretty much anything. These could just be um, supporting people in need. These could be social activism. These could be a lot of different things. And we'll likely have a dialogue about what people think are worthwhile charities and where we can divert that. Uh, but after chatting amongst each others, we're all gamers. We play games. That's what this whole podcast is really about. So the first charity that we are selecting for Season of the Jerry's is the Able Gamers charity, which is uh, focused on making sure that uh, people with accessibility needs to participate in games and gaming culture have what they need to do so. I think that's pretty in line with some of the stuff that we try to do here. Uh, so when we launch the Patreon... If, <laughs> big if, the money flows in in a sustainable way, uh, we're going to make sure that come the next 5W, we will announce how much is being donated to Able Gamers. And at that point, select a new charity uh, for the next season after that. I guess the last big change I want to announce here and now is... Um, uh, how we're handling engagement rewards. Obviously, Discord has its sort of own ecosystem with Jerry and Uge and the seasonal rewards. Uh, but we've also been talking about stuff like merch and broader community engagement. Right now, there's a laundry list of things on the site that are all different ways that you can unlock rewards, like how you get soundtracks and stuff. And we're going to streamline that a bit. Um, we're going to essentially make it so that Every season, we have a reward based on a community goal. So what I'm going to say here now is over the next three months, we would love to have 500 new listeners to the show to grow all of these opportunities, to grow the Discord, to grow the Patreon, allow us to do more stuff for you and learn more from you. So if we can hit 500 new listeners in the next three months, we will be issuing, once again, a Jerry-themed reward and we're thinking in the terms of limited run Jerry merchandise. We've had a lot of suggestions from the community. We are listening. So if we hit that goal, you can expect something special to be made available at the end of the season of the Jerry's. So, wow. Yeah. So, like I said, we had a lot to announce. Uh, seasonal structure. Every season we're going to do Discord giveaways. Uh, we'll update the channels to keep the Discord clean. Um announce new charities, announce new rewards and goals. Matt has done an outstanding job getting our Patreon structure together, and if things continue to grow, we have some ambitious plans for new tiers, even higher than our bonus feed by Ryan. Um, I guess with that, uh, I'm going to make sure that all this stuff is visible in the Discord on the website, because I don't expect you all to remember it, but that's sort of where we're headed, and we're looking to launch all of these things on or around January 6th where we will be uh, going into our next Dicey Waters story. That's our next episode proper, one week from today. Uh, and we'll talk about that in just a sec, give you an idea of what's coming up. But uh, I think I'm ready to learn a little more about A Second Chance, mostly because oh, man. <laughs> I've been talking so much about this giant bullet list on my screen, and there are more fun things to talk about. So Matt, how are you doing today? Um, I am considerably less stressed now that the holidays are pretty much over. Um, yeah. And you know, it's, Say it it's ain't been so. fun. Say it ain't so. I love the Say holidays. Say it ain't so. Wow, wow. For several months, you ran us through 
uh, an adventure called A Second Chance set on yeah. the island of Arianor. And uh, I think I think that was the longest uh the longest campaign that we had so far. Yeah, uh definitely definitely was. At the beginning you and I had some chats about how long we wanted it to last and I think it blew past both our expectations. Oh yeah, 100%. Um, uh I, before we get into some of the questions from both us and our community, um how do you uh, what are your what are your thoughts on it? How do you feel it went? What is your general vibe after running a so, second chance for us? I think that the way it was structured, uh if you guys uh I I thought you guys uh solved it pretty quickly. And I know it probably doesn't feel like that because it was stretched out over uh so many episodes, but I was fully prepared to keep throwing you guys through the events uh of the day on Arianor. Um, if you guys didn't, you know, fix anything, so mm-hmm. it, it, it would just kept going on and on and on. Um, which I'm sure people are very glad that it's, it's over <laughs> now, but, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, there was a lot of back and forth on, uh, you know, what, what the original premise behind my campaign was going to be. And I remember I was, uh, Colin and I were talking, I wanted to do something that had like a bit of like a political intrigue. And then I don't really remember where the idea for the the time loop came from do you remember yeah matt you and i we we started planning yours pretty 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 long time ago i think before we started recording you came to me with the idea of arianor the the staple that was always there as i recall was the mage lords yes um yeah and the idea of like a kid being utilized in this way i remember the hook you initially I don't remember all the details. You originally told me like they sail up to the island and like there's these people having a fight and one gets thrown over a cliff or something. Yeah, something like that, which you know I think evolved into uh, Cordell uh, getting his ass bit by a shark uh, <laughs> and bait by extension. He died. But, uh, well, he died in some timelines. So well, yeah, I remember. I thought it was more of a permanent. Well, no, I thought it was bait that got bit in the ass by a shark, and he yes. was uh, he was a little baby for like an episode. And, you know, oh, my butt hurts. Like, have uh, okay. Have <laughs> I think that's a pretty reasonable. So I'm totally about to Christopher Nolan this. Um, just you know, explain it after the fact. <laughs> I totally lost what I was. Nope, I remember. Yeah, so I'm back to Christopher <laughs> Nolan this and explain uh, you know, everything after the fact. But basically, the loop had already been going on before you guys showed up. So, you know, Cordell would just, you know, keep on dying. Um, it basically, until you guys came in and told him, hey, your kid is missing, uh, more yeah. or less. Yeah, there's, it's like the there's an episode of Next Gen like that where the Enterprise keeps blowing up over and over. And when they get out of the loop, they're like... Oh shit, we've been blowing up for weeks. We should probably, you know, get everything Stop. back. Yeah. Yeah, we sh- we should sort this out. Um I took the coward's way out and said, "Let me ignore all these implications and just jump ahead like a week and not deal with any of that. Not yeah. deal with Sergio the guard." Uh mostly just because um not just because I didn't want to deal with it, but because I thought the story of Arianor worked so well. Um it, it was all very neat and tidy because it was like a three-day thing, so that fits a classic mm-hmm. story structure. But it did um, – the, the fact that it worked out that way was not planned. So it, 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 all, it all held together so tightly on the island that I didn't want to, like, pull on those threads, and I wanted Matt's story to remain intact. Yeah. Um, 
so with that, uh, Ryan, you and I have a list of questions from the community in front of us. Uh, let's see what we can pry out of Matt. I think uh, I think you actually asked a question, Ryan, uh, that I took down. Uh, I was curious about this. How much stuff did we actually miss? Because I think we got really focused in pretty early. Yes, you did. And I think I think we missed out probably on a lot of stuff. How much stuff did we miss out on? So, uh, basically, I the way I had it organized was that you know there are like three main areas. You had the town, which included the docks. You had the uh, area around the cave where the bandits were, and then you had the mage lord keep. And each of them had their own uh, individual schedules that. Um, that basically, you know, interwove with each other, uh, that, you know, what, so the, you know, same thing would happen throughout the day. So one thing that you guys missed was that you really didn't explore too much, uh, in town. Um, yeah. As noted by the, the fact that, that we, we found the silvery fountain underground miles away instead of the one in the church. And how every episode, Matt was like, the church bell starts ringing. Everybody yep. walks out of the church. And we're like, nah, let's go in a cave. Yeah, no, I thought I was, I kind of thought that you guys would interact a little bit more with, um, you know, going into the church. Uh, you know, that I, I was planning to have a lot more um, set up about uh, their goddess Lema in there, um, which I, I think. I, I like to think that I kind of tied that up a little bit neatly, but, you know, we'll see in due time. Um, another thing that you guys kind of missed was uh, at the very, very beginning, um, there was a combat scene between bandits and mage lords outside the cave what? Um, that you guys could have intervened in. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah. There were signs of a fucking fight, weren't there? Yes, there were. How could um, we have gotten so, there? We we made a beeline there, Matt. How could we have gotten there in time? Well, you to, guys, to you do guys it? always stopped at the docks to talk to uh, Cordell. You know, you could just Cordell. let him die and <laughs> you know do that. But you know, it, it, I didn't really expect you guys to like make it there all the way. But like, um, you know, it. I there there was there were definitely some bits and pieces, but for the most part, you guys managed to explore the entirety of the island. Did you foresee the amazing strategy of pretending to be soothsayers? Uh, did, that, this is a, this is an impromptu question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, did you foresee that brilliant strategy, and did it throw you for uh, through a loop because of how brilliant and, uh, and well, know, Ryan, Matt, Matt threw us all was. through a loop if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, haha. Uh, you know. I think that was definitely the most tame out of all the uh, or unorthodox <laughs> solutions that you guys presented, <laughs> including uh, like the fucking octopus and whatnot. And Jerry, there were God, there were so many instances where Cult slash Ryan did things like that, where <laughs> uh, where I Colin was like, "Fuck, that's so good." And Bait was like, I hate this guy so much. And I kept trying to find ways to just bring those two things closer together. Oh, it was so fun. Uh, but yeah, Suitsayers was definitely... Uh, <laughs> we, I guess we, we've kind of established that uh, when the party disguises itself, they do a really good job. Especially like... <laughs> Trash Wings 2. Um, oh, boy. So uh, I actually wanted to ask Matt... Uh, 
and this this has a tinge of I guess moral quandary to it. How many times were you willing to let Cordell die uh, for us to figure out the mystery? Because we did not save him most yeah, of the time. As, and you as implied, many times. he could have been dying for many years before. I was prepared for everyone to die uh, and come back. Like, I, <laughs> I, you know, maybe, maybe I'm a sociopath or whatever. I didn't have <laughs> that emotional connection with, uh, with the characters. Um, as you could probably tell by my great voice acting, but, um, yeah, no, everyone, Cordell could have just kept on dying infinitely. Uh, Tamara, Tamara had a few questions. Uh, were there any major events that the boys could have run into that they never saw? Wait, did you already say this one? Well, that was, I kind of answered it by, uh, describing okay, some yeah. of the events. Um, okay. So that you this one merges, seen. this one merges into it. So maybe a little is there bit, any... Yeah. Yeah, any other uh, events potentially that we didn't see? Yeah, because um, it seemed like uh, like Majora's Mask style, those clocks that you set, it seemed like a lot of stuff was going off. You, you mentioned the fight by the cave. Yes, but um, like, which, you know, not exactly a major event, but yeah. I, uh, the way it was structured, I had it set so that there were basically like, you know, morning, afternoon, evening, and there were like uh, the, the, the ringing of the church bell was like mm-hmm. one of the uh, distinctions for... Um, you know, kind of separating that. As far as major events go that you guys could have run into, um, <laughs> not really. Although I think that, uh, you know, maybe given more time, there would be more to explore on the island. And they might have, uh, you know, if I'd come up with something else, then it possibly could have uh, existed. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, so following up on on your investment in the characters there, uh, Tamara also asks, <laughs> will it now be an inside joke that you can't convey panic or fear in NPCs? Uh, see, here's the thing. Like, that's even just me in real life. I'm just really bad <laughs> with emotions in general. Uh, oh, man, but we need like, a Dr. Phil episode. You know, maybe, maybe I, I can't determine what's what's an inside joke and what's not. That's that's on everyone else to make fun of me for, I guess. <laughs> All right, question. First question from Zed Ploy. Uh, how do you feel about the beginning of the Jerry verse and all those different timelines that you've created? Uh, you, oh, you, you done goofed Lord. on our timeline, Matt. <laughs> yeah, there, we've got multiple timelines. Yeah, no, there are there's have been a lot of fun things that have come out of this campaign. Uh, campaign, uh, Jerry being one of them. Um, honestly, I'm a I'm very very surprised but also kind of not really at how much the, the community has uh, attached itself to Jerry, or I guess Jerry has attached to the community either way. Um, two sides of the same coin, but uh, <laughs> it was absolutely not intentional. Yeah. Can you, you break, can you break down the mechanic in that final boss fight that came into play there and what its implications might be? Yeah. So I figured uh, I, a lot of, the campaign like i i had the schedule but as far as like actual um you know how things were supposed to flow uh there was a lot of it that i did just kind of make up on the spot um but there were so many good impromptu moments between jerry between the uh your guys interaction with the red person and all that um the elevator shenanigans i was like all right i i felt like i had the you know capability to kind of bring around and it was like a greatest hits um Mm -hmm. you know you know just kind of go back with the with the golden bubbles um 
ah oh, shit if i if i remembered i i, uh, I had a list somewhere with uh all the other different things that could have uh that could have come through the bubbles. I think one of them was a shark that was going to come through and just make an immediate <laughs> beeline for uh, for bait. <laughs> that would have been funny. Would have been able to breathe on water or out of the water, probably. But uh, there was know. just a, there was just enough water on the ground at that point from the fountain spilling. Oh, but you did say it wasn't water, so that shark might have beefed it pretty. Was hard. it? Wasn't it? You know, well, I guess we'll never really know. Well, you didn't let I me don't... control water on it, which I'm still pretty <laughs> salty about. So I'm gonna assume it wasn't water. Otherwise, we're gonna have a lot of tension between us. Oh man, you and your tension. <laughs> a lot well, of tension. So, so this is not a uh, a question that we've written down, but like I'm looking at how you brought back these greatest hits. Did you have this like bubble time portal between the timelines mechanic in mind and then just went back and filled it in with these like here are the moments that they played? Or when you got to the end were you just like, here's a fun way to bring some stuff back? Like it was, chicken or it egg, was, which came first? Yeah, it was definitely uh the latter. Um you know interesting. I, I, yeah. I I I figured that like it kind of made, I felt like it made sense. Like there wasn't enough like time shenanigans outside of the loop. And so Mm -hmm. I felt like having something like that kind of reinforced the theme of, you know, time is seriously screwed up in this place. Um, I'm yeah. I'm honestly really surprised by that answer. That felt like, like such a integral moment to, to how we would experience the campaign. Like mm -hmm. that, that it was not there from early on is honestly not what I expected. Um, Did you ever did you ever think about adding things to that list of, you know, bubble accessible events that we didn't witness or did you limit it to stuff that we had done? No, I wanted it. I wanted it to be things where the characters had interacted with the world Mm -hmm. um, where there might have been, you know, certain disturbances, um, you know, certain irregularities. um, So I, I figured you know, it, it was get, like when I when I was uh, coming up with that part, um, it was definitely tailored to what the characters had already done. Gotcha. Yeah. Ryan, do you have any any more questions about the bubble mechanic? Would have been possible to bring back multiple Jerry's. Uh, um, <laughs> we only created Jerry in one timeline, so probably yeah. not. So, yeah, I would say probably not just because the alpha Jerry um, only existed in one timeline. And now you've kind of broken everything by, um, you know, by bringing him to a different timeline. So it does th- make it does make perfect sense though, because after we left the church, after the octopus shenanigans, we never saw Jerry again. So it's like it doesn't violate anything that as soon as we left the church, he got sucked into the next timeline. Our continuity hey, is intact. <laughs> <laughs> everything all planned. But not really. But I'm glad uh, it worked out. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Zed also asks, uh, did you have other days planned that didn't happen? And, and it's starting to sound like you didn't quite have that concept of this day, that day, but more just like you had your events and you were just willing to let the days sort of follow or lead? More or less, yeah. Um, there, there was pretty much only one day, um, but the outcome would be determined by... Uh, you know, who the characters interacted with, like, did they steal anything or like, however, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, however that worked. So it wasn't really so much other days as it was just, you know, one single day and then kind of making shit up on the spot as they, Mm -hmm. um, 
as you guys interacted with stuff. Uh, Ryan, do you want to read Zed's last question? Uh, bread. Bre- bread. <laughs> bread? Uh, bread. Did you did you anticipate the bread man <laughs> becoming such an integral part of your plot? Uh, I wanted I wanted like a fun goofy character, something that uh, I I I had hoped that you guys would latch onto us. Honestly, the one guy who I the one character that I did have emotional investment in was the guy that only had one fucking line. Um, so you know the bread man has a has a very uh, dear place uh, in my heart. Um, so I'm glad that you guys had as much fun with him as I did. Um, yeah, because Cult seemed not Cult Ryan was convinced that the bread man was the linchpin of this whole thing, and that it we were gonna like Scooby Doo unmask him as the villain at the end. Or <laughs> it something. made sense. It made sense if you're looking at this from a 5D chessboard instead of your typical checkers, Colin. Then it makes perfect <laughs> sense. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 only see checkers because I pop up DMing one or two episodes every couple of months. There there are many dimensions to my chess game, my friend. Uh, however, none of those pieces are bread. I actually have a question for Ryan, which is: after Matt introduced this very one-dimensional character, what prompted you to say only the word bread for two whole episodes? Um. So part of it was. Uh, cult is kind of a wild card and given an opportunity to be inside of a, oh, really? uh, to, so given, so given the opportunity to be inside of a mage Lord, um, keep, uh, he would, uh, be very insulting to them and probably be very mean. And then he would also try and murder them. I mean, which he kind of did. He did blow them up with a fireball. Um, basically given the first opportunity. Um, so I, so part of it was, I thought it was very funny to just be like, oh, that's my disguise. I already look like a crazy person. I'll just be the second bread guy. Um, and then two, uh, it made sense to call it in a way that like, cause he would have nothing else to say to these people. <laughs> yeah. And I think he also, uh, call established like, uh, I think the running joke was that you were like his brother or relative or something. Yes, cousin or something. <laughs> it was, yeah, c- c- Bait was trying to say that we were all brothers and, and Locke was adopted. I don't know why I felt the need to do that, but Pat, Locke was really upset by that. Well, um, I would have been adopted too. You're an elf, right? Yeah, but I mean, like, I feel like, I don't know. Have you seen Star Trek Four? Where they go save the whales because all Spock does is cover his ears with a headband and everyone's yeah, like, but you're human you're enough for a, me. You're a drow, right? But uh, my skin is like super washed out and like almost bleached out. Like you, like it is. I'm I'm not like the pinkish white skin that you know a a a boy like me has in real life, but more like someone who's been sitting in a sand blasting machine for a really long time. Jesus. <laughs> Um, So actually, this next question was from Sergio. And Sergio, I do want to apologize that I did not bring your namesake forward from the island to the boat. Um, I had, I don't know if you listened to the above boards yet. I had a lot to manage already, including four fairly prominent NPCs. And 
this is not your fault, but the character of Sergio did just not did not flourish <laughs> in the one episode where he was introduced. That I mean, said, it's also on me because I kind of promised that I would murder Sergio and make another Jerry, and then uh, <laughs> I, I didn't. <laughs> Sergio. Um, so Sergio has asked the question, and I think th- we are the we are the perfect three people to answer this because of the different stages of creation of this adventure and this podcast. Um, Sergio asks, how much of Lema's power, mythology, etc., did you, Matt, create for this adventure, and how much was already established by Colin, and I should add, by Ryan? Yeah, so I think we've had questions like this before, where we kind of, things don't really exist until it airs, right? And so that gives us a lot of flexibility towards, like, the whole pantheon as a whole regarding uh, the Badlands and, um, you know, the mainland and all of that. Um, So prior to, uh, you know, Arianor, Lema did not exist, um, like, as a concept. So I... To me, it felt like, uh, you know, it was having like a like a goddess of sorts um, in in this, uh, you know, in in the campaign was a good way to kind of introduce that pantheon a little bit uh, and anything that I think the only um, time that we directly addressed the pantheon before this was in Blessings Eve. Yes. uh, Maven Locke met Serafina. Yes, that is correct. Um, so it was, she was pretty much, uh, made for, um, you know, originally made just for this campaign, but, uh, I have a feeling that we will see more of her in the future or in the past. Sorry. I, I need to stop watching. That. <sighs> so, <laughs> no, so, so from my perspective, it's a little bit different. Cause I remember yeah. in our initial, uh, in our initial planning, when you and I were trying to figure this out. Another core concept that you would latch onto early in the planning of this adventure was that there was some spirit or entity at the center of the island. Yes, and yep. and we couldn't we couldn't decide on which was which, and eventually you settled on time and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a general idea of what the mechanics were going in because I have to plan around it, um, but I didn't know the full implications for what you wanted to do with Lema. I would say, like, hey, Matt, if you want to make, like, lasting changes to the campaign, go ahead and do it. But it really was just a lot of me just trying to push you in that direction. And I think the 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 thing that I was building off of was what Ryan wrote originally, which was a list of a list of the gods in the Pantheon, which we have not published because it's not canon until it airs. But Matt, 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 basically, after I said some stuff, you were like, cool, let me go write this awesome adventure. And then you wrote an awesome adventure. And I'm like, cool, here's a name for a time goddess that Ryan wrote. It's Lema. And we just sort of put that on top of yeah. what you wrote for your story. So, like. Sure, I'll take credit for Lema. I don't even remember writing Lema. It was like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're trying to. Yeah. I've been trying to, like, push each individual campaign writer to embrace some big world aspect and Matt latched onto the Pantheon in a way that the others haven't. Uh, and I, uh, I'm really happy with how it turned out because it, it sort of, it takes a lot of work off my shoulders <laughs> selfishly because you have unlocked this new perspective on the world that fits perfectly with everything that came beforehand. 
Um, and we still have these lists that Ryan wrote, uh, but they will, I mean, again, it's not canon till it's airs. I, I think even with the, the second tear in the, in the middle of the Badlands, that was something that I looked at a map that Ryan made and I was like, I'm going to put something there. And I told Ryan about it beforehand. Pat and Matt had no idea. And I think that this not canon till it's error aired rule allows us to surprise each other in ways. And I think while I had an understanding of the idea of Lema, what Matt did surprised the fuck out of me. And it was great. Mm-hmm. True, true, true. Uh, there was always I mean, supposed was... to be something at the center. Uh, yeah. Right. I even put a little marker there. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll take credit for that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Right. Right. Ryan, more or less, you kind of gave us the sketch for this whole thing, and we, I, I, I'm the one facilitating a lot of the individual adventures, but I'm constantly, like, saying, okay, Matt told me what he wants to do. What did Ryan give us to work with? And I'm just, like, shuffling your work back and forth between the yeah. Hey, um, drunken concepts. Things I wrote in coffee bars. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, I was about to ask, because, I mean, like, Serafina and Lema are the only gods that we've canonized at this point but believe me there are others ryan did you have any specific intent with your initial uh sketches of the pantheon uh like did you ever expect anything like lema uh like a whole cloth creation of mats to come out of it uh no i kind of kept things i i um looked at other pantheons i just wanted to cover some bases um I wanted to make sure that, like, especially if people wanted, because I think when I first wrote it, we really hadn't created characters yet, and there yeah. was like uh, uh, people that uh, were talking about being clerics or paladins, and I mean, uh, I didn't, we weren't one hundred percent sure if they were going to go like the more five E route, where you know, paladin is just like devoted to a particular ideal, or whether mm-hmm. they're like devoted to a god. So I wanted to have something there. Um, so people could look at me like, oh, no, I'm going to be X because this one seems to have a lot of things that I like. Um, so I, 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 you know, I put it, I put some thought into it, but I, I didn't put like an intense amount of thought. I did start out wanting to do like a whole almost like Forgotten Realms style history. And I was like, I'm not going to write 10,000 words on a made up history that nobody's going to care about. And it's all going to be like different yeah. and conflicting based yeah. upon who you worship. So yeah. that's Let just me... too much work for me. I'm not getting paid for yeah. this. <laughs> And also, that was created over like thirty yeah. years by so Dungeons let me, and Dragons. Let me, yeah, yeah, true. So let me ask you this, Ryan. I know uh, this is totally tangent, but I know that Cult is technically multi-class. He has like a level of cleric. So what god or goddess um, was he devoted to? Oh, that's a good question. He is a knowledge cleric. I'd have to look at the pantheon to figure out yeah. which one is the knowledge. Yeah. One. Okay. Um, I, I have it I, on I his thought, sheet. I, I think he like, has like yeah. his old sheet. No, that's a good point. I lost mean, it. That's had, that's uh, had something scratched on it. I mean that that's something that um, I mean like behind the scenes, you each have like different nuggets of what I'm working on. But like, I've been trying to um, I've been trying not to just get each DM to embrace these tools, but also try to get the characters to look at it different. Like I'll ask. I've had separate conversations with everyone like, hey, Ryan, what is cult's relationship to the gods? And then ask Pat, what's Locke's relationship to the gods? And that sort of came up a little bit. Hates them. Thinks they're dumb. (laughs) (laughs) That perspective thing, I wish we started it earlier, but I think to Ryan's point, not doing that 10,000 word history 
has really allowed us to just sort of move in the direction the story takes us. And it's it's starting to make these new introductions feel more natural. So, like, Cult and Bait disagreed about why the center of the Badlands was risky, and that's not a huge reveal, but I I don't know. I I like leaning into that a bit more, and I like that... um, I like that second chance really set the stage for that kind of ambiguity, especially in that tiny island of Arianor. The mage lords and the bandits and the natives all have like different ideas about how Lema is supposed to run stuff for them. I, I, and it's I, emergent. I checked the, I checked the pantheon. Mm-hmm. His goddess would have been Elia, the goddess of knowledge. Uh, lawful neutral, big step away from there oh, now, boy. right? <laughs> uh, her Very divine fair. symbol is an open book with a purple bookmark cute very cool well hey there you go it aired and now it's canon elia the goddess of knowledge you have another also i i could shout out a couple more pantheon because i have some good names let's let's do no no no. i I want to do one more i want to do one more i want to do one more okay this is not canon from here on out (laughs) gorb god of conquest (laughs) gorb 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 Oh, I, there's one I've never forgotten, which is uh, Keg, K-E-G-G. It's the god of, what, alcohol or God drinking? of intoxication. God of True. intoxication. I've been wondering if I want to do anything with that one. I'm not sure yet. Uh, his his followers are suggested to binge drink often and start start bar fights. His divine symbol is a... I actually have a, his divine symbol and everything. It's a, it's, a, it's a beer keg. And his divine goals and aspirations, fight, drink, fuck. <laughs> Man, why can't we have? What if Edmund was pledged to that god as a paladin? So, so uh. behind the scenes, before Colin destroyed my intentions of a character by giving me the worst stats <laughs> I've ever had in a character, I was going to be either a cleric of Keg or a paladin of Keg. <laughs> And I just, it just wasn't going to work. Like, it really wasn't going to work because I only had one good stat. It was like everything else was really bad. So I could, I felt, I felt so bad. I rolled, I rolled everyone's stats in a row and like I rolled Colt's last. I'm like, wow, all these characters are really good. And my heart just sank every time I roll those, rolled those D6s. I, I probably could have been a cleric. It wouldn't have been that big of a deal. Uh, but like I, my all my stats were so bad, so I couldn't. I definitely couldn't be a paladin because I could either be a paladin that couldn't cast any spells or couldn't fight because of my my, my wisdom or my charisma or whatever would <laughs> that have would have been, been eleven. Very different from which, the cult that we've got right now. Yeah, so uh, I did I did cheese it up a little bit by taking one level of cleric, which gave me armor, so I didn't have to worry about dex, which is only like eleven or twelve, <laughs> so I could get heavy <laughs> armor or medium armor. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, Little 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 blast from the past. All right. So so after that fun, after our little deep dive into how we sort of build the show, uh, we got another question from Jeff. His name is Jeff. Uh, did you Matt uh, anticipate the way that the story ended, or did you just set up the scenario and see where we took it? I'm actually curious about this because I know that the way you approached the days was a little freewheeling, but like the end. Uh, of Strauss revealing his plan of the kid reuniting with his family. How did you, how did you write that out? So more or less uh, the ending would depend on what you guys had done during that day. So like, you know, mm-hmm. what, what I had imagined was that you guys would, you know, take like 
two or three days, figure out everything that's going on, um, and then kind of formulate a plan to essentially have the perfect day where everyone's saved or you have like the outcomes that you want. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you, you defeat, you know, Strauss or whoever, and then um, whatever happened during that day is locked in. So I, I knew that, uh, I knew that like Strauss would be at like basically defeating him would mark the end of like the whole time loop bit, mm-hmm. um, as to how they actually got there. Um, that was, that was pretty, uh, up in the air. So I just had an emergent thought kind of for both you and Ryan, because from the very first episode, Cult was saying, let's start a revolution. And at the end, with the reveal of what Strauss was doing, Cult, you came very close to starting a revolution, really only stopped by Bait, who just got told what to do by Lema, sort of interrupting and trying to refocus. Um, yeah, I'll never forgive you for it. (laughs) Well, that's kind of what I want to ask. How would both of you have handled it? Like, if Bait, if if I had never taken Bait to the church, if we never met Lema and had that explicit dialogue, how would you guys have handled a conflict that really boiled over? I would need. I would have said, "Okay, we're done recording. I need a day to figure this shit out." <laughs> I, I would have mur- murder, mur- murder, a lot of murder. Um, <laughs> it had been. It was very easy. I wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, so, I, I wanted murder. One thing that you guys uh, did miss out on by not going to the church uh, in the beginning was that that was originally where. Um, both the commander and Strauss were. They were at, at the service. So oh, so we could have met, met them, them there, there in the church. Yes. And, and gotten a head start on figuring out their role and everything. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so uh, we've got a couple more questions before we wrap up because we've been at this for a minute here. Yeah. Uh, from, from Love Ray in our group, Rachel, uh, in our Discord, uh, we have a question that Ryan sort of answered. Uh, when creating NPCs, do you roll for your stats? Do they level up with the PCs? So um, for my NPCs, um, they, they're they not... I, I don't treat them as characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I treat them... Honestly, it, it kind of depends on how I'm feeling. Like, if, if, mm-hmm. I, if I, I... I'll maybe look at a couple... Um, stat blocks like oh i'm making like this uh warlord type character um like masak then i would you know maybe look at that for inspiration and then maybe give him like a couple unique abilities that fit into the theme of his character and the same kind of thing with strauss as well um i he was kind of based a bit on um like a like a warlock type figure um but there was a you know, it, I I play it very very loose, it, but yeah. I, I don't I don't treat them like they're uh, like they're player characters. I think I largely handle it the same way. And above boards, it's they get a little more technical, even if I don't write it into the story as well as I should. Um, we definitely roll the stats for all of our player characters. Yes. Um, and though I have some some secrets about bait, his base stats were rolled with dice just like everyone else's. Um, you just but happen initially, to roll 20s on all of them. <laughs> uh, basically, and unless 
the way I handle it is unless I think they're going, like, I'm going to have to play them as a player character, the most I'll do is make a stat block. Like, I think Bottle Brew and Dennis have stat blocks somewhere. Florence, after Josh lovingly saddled me with that character, um, <laughs> Florence, I, I, I have a fully built-out thing. Florence is a different level. But when it comes time for the for the um, above boards, when we level up our player characters, I do move her up uh, at a similar rate to them. Um, but yeah, I think aside from the core cult lock Mave, I think everyone has had a scatter shot background. Yeah, definitely. How do you uh, when you did mm-hmm. your NPCs, Ryan? Like, what did you do when I did my NPCs? I had certain ideas of. I, I guess I, in the, in the, when I started coming up with the the plot, there was like some that just had to be there. So I definitely needed, um, I needed, I needed, a, I needed, a, I needed a leader, and I kind of wanted this weird uh, interfamily intrigue. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna make this person, uh, obviously they're gonna be the leader, and they're gonna be kind of weird. Maybe they're a little bit conniving. Maybe they're like a backstabber. And then I just kind of branch out. It's like, oh, what would like a, what would an evil or maybe very heavily neutral uh evil person uh, like what would the retinue be like and then i was like right. oh maybe i don't have to be maybe i don't have to be like uh, it doesn't have to be like a harry potter movie where like everybody that works for the bad person is also a bad person um yeah they're so kind of following just, orders well i mean kind of and i mean but also when you think about in like a feudal society less, yeah. there's a lot of like you really don't have a lot of choices in what you do you either it's you live in poverty or you work a job that you don't want to do um so then i start making branching things from there and then a lot of it like uh randall randall uh, his uh uh, Randy, uh, his was just a joke. I was like, it'd be funny to have a stoner halfling in here and I'm going to find a way to do it. And this, this whole store is just a meme anyway. So yeah. why not? <laughs> uh, and he's kind of branch out from there. It's like, they're definitely going to talk to some guards. They're definitely going to talk to some townspeople. Yeah. Yeah. And then just branch. So another question, uh, from Rachel, uh, Matt, when cult made Jerry into Jerry, the Jerry we know and love, how did you react internally and what did you think would happen? So here's the thing. Um, <laughs> farmers don't name the, the like the animals that they're going to kill. Um, that's that's that, that's a, that's a thing. And so uh, I knew it was going to go downhill as soon as he named the zombie. And I was like, OK. This he's, he's become very very attached to this character too quickly, um, which you know obviously it was a prime candidate for like the whole you know golden bubbles you know kids Bob mm-hmm. best of thing at the end kids Bob best of bubbles, <laughs> but um you know I, I it, it was more or less like when you when you deemed him jerry i was like oh fuck all right now i gotta keep working with this guy (laughs) (laughs) last question from rachel and this might i think this is for ryan now a little behind the scenes we've recorded a few episodes ahead of what you have heard we're already into the next adventure more on that in a minute um but we've seen jerry in the above boards on the ship bottle brew not a fan uh, yeah, but Colin's sort of... not a fan, and there's some leak through <laughs> happening. Honestly, here's yep. the thing: 
I think I do like Jerry, but I've had to play characters that don't, or maybe vice versa. It's all a mess. I don't know if I like or hate Jerry at this point. I can't keep track of it. <laughs> but um, Jerry's a beautiful boy. Do you think Jerry likes his current role in the group? <laughs> I don't think he's uh, capable of uh, that kind of thought. <laughs> that is a good question. Um I think it's a complicated question because then we have to really start to think, what is Jerry? Um, is is he oh, just no. a zombie? Is he something more? Is he maybe a god? Is he is he a messiah of some kind? Who knows? If this um, if this turns into a backdoor pilot for Jerry the God the podcast, I'm fucking quitting. <laughs> Um, I mean, it really depends because as I, uh, I as a care as a as a necromancer wizard, necromancers have like a little bit more power over um, undead, and like their stats are a little bit better. Um, and then eventually, as more spells come into play, Jerry could become like a higher tier undead. Um, so who knows? Maybe maybe he will. Uh, Jerry could think- become a father. Yeah, he could become a father. <laughs> I mean, again, depending on how he we didn't play meet it, the rest of his family. There are some undead that have higher intelligences than zombies. So I don't know exactly how we would play it out. But if, if like, for whatever reason, Jerry were to become, like, a ghoul or something like that. I think ghouls have intelligence of 10. Like, he would be, like, kind of sentient. So maybe he would be able to articulate his displeasure or his pleasure <laughs> in being an undead He's the servant. opposite of the ghouls in Fallout where he starts off feral and could become just a dude. Could become a dude. I mean, God, if we I were to it. get into it in in the in the Eberron book, they have like a Carnathi undead, and Carnathi undead have a higher intelligence, and they even say in the stat block or like the information block above the stat block that there are certain like undead skeletons from Carnath that are like sentient and have like full memories of what they did in the past and are able to like communicate. So, I don't know if we went really weird with it. I don't know. I mean, if he had his full memories, he probably wouldn't appreciate getting shot in the face a bunch of times with a magic missile, but I don't know. If you try to bring this Jerry into Entrenched, <laughs> I would not. I don't I, think I can I do anything how I feel because about it's that. not my campaign, but I won't Hello? be thrilled. Hello? Uh, last prepared question. This is from our good friend Chowder, who Ooh. you may have heard in an earlier bonus episode as uh, Rigatoni Tony... What was his name in the Sexy Battle Wizards episode? It was, was Rigatoni Riga- something. It was Rigatoni something. Fuck. Uh, I'm blanking on it, though. It, it, the, anyway, a, a delightful the human part is very memorable. I can't remember. Matt, do you feel that you missed out on a great opportunity by not having a Bill Murray cameo? Uh, for all you know, Bill Murray was on the island and you guys just didn't find him. That's the thing we missed. It's Bill Murray <laughs> it's wandering Bill Murray. around Arianor, <laughs> sidestepping every inconvenience he may. Um, so or that's the last rather of, uh, Bill our Murray. prepared questions. Oh, Matt, God, what is, is there, I fucked is there up. any I fucked other... Up. Bill Murray should have been the god, not Labo. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bill of Murray. So, uh, Matt, thank you again for running a second chance. Um, yeah, this was a this was a ton of fun, and I'm uh, really grateful um, for all the all the feedback and all the jokes that have come with it. Yeah, easily um, our most our most memeable campaign. I thought that I mean people I mean, are are still, you surprised? <laughs> a few people are still shipping Nalt, which is Nana Turtle and Cult getting together. 
but uh, I think this is definitely the the most uh, the most goof heavy meme heavy thing that we've done so far. Are there any mm. other like last stray thoughts that you have about the campaign that you want to share with us uh, us plebeians down below? Uh, not really. I imagine that people will see more uh, when the PDF is released uh, at a future date. And I'm very, very excited to uh, to show everybody the copious amount of notes that I have for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no secret death cults in this one because nobody accidentally murdered 70 villagers. But, yeah. uh, but yeah. certainly full of its own secrets. So that wraps up our, our Q&A over uh, A Second Chance. And I uh, want to thank everybody who submitted questions. I was done primarily via Discord. We'll usually put out calls for action for these ahead of time in our Discord, on our Twitter, at uh, Dice Populi. Um, and I don't know, these are some of the favorite conversations of mine that we get to have uh, regarding the show. Before we wrap up and close out this bonus episode, we do have some more announcements. We talked a lot about our community, our Patreon, our Discord, our rewards. We didn't really talk about Dicey Waters, and, I mean, that's that's what this is part of. Dicey Waters is our main campaign. And you all know that there's a new adventure by Pat coming up in a week. So I wanted to uh, clear the air a little bit, give you an idea of what's coming up. Now, from the beginning, we planned for this to be the five adventures, uh, followed by a finale by myself, um, where after Matt's campaign, we would have Pat's, and then I would wrap everything up with a nice little bow. But especially during A Second Chance, we started realizing how much untapped potential there was in these characters and in this world, presuming they don't all die, which could happen. Um, at least Josh isn't around to throw us off of trees. But the departure of Josh did leave us thinking about how we wanted to square that away. So I'm here to announce a couple of things. First and foremost, the next adventure by Pat will begin in a week. It is called Locked and Loaded, an adventure uh, that will take us to some uh, unseen parts of the Badlands, some new perspectives on how the Badlands operate that we might not have seen before, and Locked and Loaded uh, was supposed to be our final adventure. That is no longer the case. Once Pat concludes his story, I will conduct another above board and lead into a sixth adventure run by our good friend Chowder, who will be stepping on as a regular member of the Dice Populi cast, beginning with Locked and Loaded. He will uh, introduce his character, and uh, I think that this will give us a lot more... a lot more juicy stuff to dig into. I've been helping Chowder plan his adventure as well. Uh, We have gotten to meet Chowder's character. I think you guys are going to have a lot of fun with it. Matt and Ryan, how do you feel about uh, Pat's adventure so far? What are the vibes that you've been getting that you wouldn't mind leaking out before we jump in with the listeners? It's intensely Pat. (laughs) That's very true. It is intensely Pat. Uh, 80s action movie. That's that's the vibe I'm going for, or what I'm feeling. (laughs) So, obviously, we have got uh, a ton on our plates, and there's a ton of podcasts to listen to. One last thing that we're trying to do is um, is, uh, create a new new introductory episode. 
obviously it's hard to say to a friend, hey, you should listen to this podcast. And they're like, awesome, man. I'd love to. And then you're like, yeah, it's only 40 episodes and they're all an hour long. And then they never talk to you again. So what we're going to be doing is uh, creating a new recap episode that will be pinned to the top of our podcast feed. It will introduce new listeners to the concept of the show, to the characters, and it will also feature brief recaps of all the adventures up until now. So we ask you to see if you could recommend the show to some friends, see if we can get our listeners bumped up over the next few months. We think this will be an easy tool to get that done. If they want to jump in, they can get the skinny on everything that's happened up till now. You can fill them in on the memes and all the jokes. And then if they like it enough, they can always go back and, and uh, catch up through the feed. So on January 6th, we will be launching Locked and Loaded. Chowder will be joining the adventure with his new character, whom you will meet. Uh, we will be releasing this new recap episode, bonus Patreon content, restructuring the Discord, introducing rewards, updating the site. We are idiots for doing all this stuff at the same time. Yup. But we really hope that you enjoy it. Yeah, we're we're all very, very appreciative of the community as a whole um, and all the support that we've received uh, to up to this point. Um, it really is kind of mind-blowing how far we've come, and there's no end in sight. Yeah, you guys have been amazing. Amazing. And because you're so cool. Amazeballs. Amazing. I'm going to leave you guys with another god from our pantheon um, that oh, has god. kind of a funny name. <laughs> Um, Brotac, god of the sea. Brotac. Bro Brotac. Divine oh. domains of tempest and strength. Uh, his divine symbol is a storm cloud and a roiling sea. Tenets of the faith. Uh, your temperament is the storm, silent until leashed. Storms bow to no man, neither shall you. Your fury is thunder and lightning. People should fear it, not you. Sick. So thank you again. Thank you all so much for those of you who listen, who share, who contribute, who chat, who say Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah in our Discord, who send pictures of your pets. For the people who retweet, uh, ret retweet our tweets. <laughs> and retweet Colin. We love it all, and we love that we get to make a thing that is enjoyed. And we're going to keep doing it as much and as long as we can. Thank you all. Uh, I'll be posting the list of all our updates in places you can find on DicePopuli.com and in our Discord. But I guess we will see you in one week. Bye. Bye. -bye. I'm just going to sort of uh, kick it off. Uh, um, I will throw to you guys as needed, but uh, I'm probably going to enjoy talking because I can finally talk unencumbered for the first time in over a week. Get ready, world. That's what the world what? needed. Oh, yeah. oh, God, because he doesn't have the fucking voice. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. My, my stitches oh. are, are almost better.